So Money Episode 529, Rachel Blumenthal, founder of Rockets of Awesome. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. February 1st, 2017. It's my birthday month. Do you guys celebrate your birthday all month? I'm not one of those people. But February is a short month, and my birthday is right smack dab in the middle of it, February 15th. So... I don't know, maybe because I'm pregnant and my life's going to be a little more hectic in the coming months, I should just start celebrating now. (laughs) What do you think? Advice out there for me, anyone. Today's guest is Rachel Blumenthal, and she is the founder of Rockets of Awesome, which let me tell you is this really smart company that I've actually engaged in. How it works is if you're a parent or someone who wants to gift clothing to children, you can go on the website, sign up for a membership. They ask you a series of questions about your child, you know, age measurements, but also, you know, the taste of your kid. What kind of a kid do you have? Is she active? And they gather all that information, all that intel and send you a personal box to your door with about 12 items for your child. And it's really functional, really affordable, and the clothing is very unique. I have to say, as someone who's now been buying clothes for little people for the past two, three years, it gets very redundant. And when you go on the playground, a lot of the kids are wearing the same things. So it's nice to find a resource like Rockets of Awesome that kind of does a lot of the work for you, brings the clothing to your house, catered to your family, and for very affordable price points. And the genius behind this company is Rachel Blumenthal. Prior to starting this company, she was the CEO of Cricket Circle, uh, a trusted resource and editorial engine for everything baby and toddler. Her insights from Cricket Circle led her to the birth of Rockets of Awesome. And another fun fact about Rachel, she is the partner of Neil Blumenthal, co-founder of Warby Parker. And of course, if you watched Follow the Leader on CNBC, and I hope you did because you love me and you want to support me, <laughs> you remember Neil. He is the co-founder of Warby Parker along with Dave Gilboa. And of course, Warby Parker is, as they say in the tech world, in the entrepreneurial world, a unicorn valued at over a billion dollars. So they know how to run businesses and uh, so does Rachel. And so we're going to talk about their dynamic and also more about the company, more about her financial philosophy, why she checks her credit card statement habitually, and the significance of James Taylor and Oprah Winfrey on her life. You have to listen to this story. It's kind of insane, kind of unbelievable, but just goes to show you that life is sometimes made of magic. Here is Rachel Blumenthal. Rachel Blumenthal, welcome to So Money. Very excited to have you on the show. Congratulations on Rockets of Awesome. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Before we got on, I was like, I'm a Blumenthal groupie. I, you know, of course, interviewed your husband on CNBC. He's the co-founder of Warby Parker. You yourself are also extremely entrepreneurial. Do you think that's why you two got, got along so well? Tell me a little bit about your synergy. That's a good question. Well, we've known each other since we were 18. We met 
the first week of freshman year in college. Um, and the secret is that we were friends for four years and never dated and we dated each other's friends. Um, but I think <laughs> so you got dirt um, on each other without really yeah, exactly. having to go through the relationship. Right. Exactly. Um, and we reconnected about a year, um, post-graduation and we've been together ever since. But I think, um, probably one of the reasons that we connected so easily and why we probably felt, um, so confident in marrying each other was that we had very similar backgrounds, um, in terms of sort of our family values. And, you know, both of our parents have been married for 40 plus years and very similar values around, um, sort of risk and money and all things like that. And, um, we both, you know, if you look back on our childhoods, we both, you know, had very, very early beginnings of entrepreneurial ventures um, back, you know, back when we were seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Um, so like most kids. Um, but I think that um, Neil probably had more sort of aversion to um, or sort of uh, comfort around taking risks than I did. Um, and I think having somebody in my life that knew me so well that really um, gave me the confidence to take the risk is, is one of the reasons that um, I've been an entrepreneur so long. So I can definitely thank him for that. You know, it's not often you hear of two entrepreneurs in a relationship, power couple, quote unquote, doing well and thriving and where each of them can feel empowered and feel like they're accomplishing what they want to accomplish and not feel like they're giving up, you know, a part of their success ambition for the other, which is, so it's nice to hear that it can work, <laughs> it can work out. And I know you yeah. guys have kids too. Well, speaking of kids, speaking of entrepreneurship, your latest venture is Rockets of Awesome, which I am a huge fan of as well as a mom, as a parent. One of the reasons you started the company was because you felt that there needed to be a real big change in how we went about shopping for clothes for kids. But, you know, to use the word disrupt almost seems like, well, you explain it to me. Why did we need to disrupt the industry? Couldn't we just go to the store and buy clothes? I mean, what's the problem? <laughs> well, I think what I realized in retrospect is that ever since becoming a parent, everything I do is to try to simplify my life and outsource anything possible. So whether it's my weekly reoccurring fresh direct delivery or my weekly reoccurring soap.com delivery, anything that I can outsource. And, um, you know, what I found when what I was sort of shocked with um, having kids was how frequently I was having to shop for their clothes. And it wasn't just a new pair of jeans here or there, it was literally replacing entire wardrobe every single season because they had outgrown everything. And it was terribly time consuming, both because there was so much to buy, um, coupled with the fact that I was always spending so much time digging and digging for the cool clothes at a really accessible price point. And, um, you know, knowing sort of that it had that pain point, I really believed that there had to be a better way for parents to shop for their kids. And um, as a, a longtime entrepreneur who, you know, really just loves to solve problems, um, I really wanted to create a solution for parents. I wanted to be able to deliver a really simplistic way for them to shop for their kids where they never had to worry about it. I think that, you know, for me, I'm that parent that 
my son sort of looks at me every few months and goes, Mom, why are my pants three inches too short? And <laughs> I um, never wanted other parents to have to experience that. I'm also the parent who ends up in July and realizes that we need shorts and every store is now selling back to school. Um, and so I wanted to be able to worry about the problem for parents, do the work for them, put really, really exceptional style, value and quality clothing into their home without any risk um, at the beginning of every season and really do that work for them. And so that is where the idea for Rockets of Awesome came from. Doesn't your son know that capri pants are totally in? I know. Well, Even I in mean, December? That's, that's basically what he wears all the time. <laughs> but you're right. I've, I've had that same dilemma where I go to a store in the season that I need something. Like I, I remember my son was – it was a blizzard and I didn't have a, like a snowsuit for him. I couldn't find anything, you know, obviously, I guess. I should have known better. But that is something I think a lot of parents can experience. And one of the things that I was super delighted about when I got my box – were the price points. I honestly wasn't expecting that because if you do, if you're a member of one of these buy the box memberships, you know, they're sourcing clothes from Nordstrom's and high end designers. So for some reason, I was just prepared for high price points. How do you keep price points low? Yeah. You know, I, what, what, I knew and what we learned doing a ton of customer research was that value is critical to every single parent. Whether you are the Barney shopper or you are the Walmart shopper, you want value when it comes to shopping for your kids. And um, what we also want is style. Um, we want everything. We are picky and we are demanding and we want it all. Um, and what we learned looking at the market was that there really wasn't a great retailer that was not only delivering exceptional customer experience end to end, really thinking about how do we simplify the lives of parents? How do we do the work for them, make their lives easier? And how do we, you know, deliver that exceptional product? And for us, that meant designing and producing our own clothes with our own manufacturers and delivering that value direct to the customer. So, we have a design team in our office in New York that designs the clothes and we work with manufacturers overseas to be able to um, deliver that exceptional style, quality and value. Um, and for us, that means, you know, really stylish, cool, sophisticated clothes that many of us would probably wear, um, but super, super, super soft and stretchy so that um, and comfy so that the kids, you know, have nothing to complain about. And at that really exceptional price point, all of our clothes are twelve to thirty six dollars. Um, so delivering that value back to the customer. Is this something that you took out of a page from the Warby Parker Handbook? Because that's kind of what they do too, in order to keep their prices competitively low. Is that they kind of skip the middleman? They do, um, and they certainly have paved the way for so many great companies to appreciate how important delivering that value back to the customer is. And I think that, um, you know, for us, what we saw was that, you know, all these other categories where, you know, men and women, um, and even for our homes, we could get exceptional product at a great value. But for some reason, when it came to kids clothes, we were always being asked to sacrifice. And um, after looking, you know, what all these brands had been able to do, what Warby's been able to do, um, and many other great brands, we knew that we should be able to do that as well and that parents and kids deserved that. You come up with the most interesting names for your businesses. You had Cricket Circle. Now it's Rockets of Awesome. What's the genesis of that name, Rockets of Awesome? Yeah. So 
Rockets of Awesome, you know, what, what we were most inspired by was that um, kids have this magical, unpredictable confidence and energy. And um, there's no greater time in our lives than when we're kids and we're, you know, have, have that incredible confidence. And we really wanted to celebrate that. And we wanted to create a brand that, um, you know, really celebrated that confidence and that independence and enable kids to just be kids and to celebrate that. And so we actually say that the kids are rockets of awesome. Um, so it's not, it's not necessarily a reference to any sort of um, space themed brand, but, but really celebrating that confidence that kids have. Can't say enough good things about the product. I mean, really the box, I pretty much kept everything except for a pair of shorts because Evan already had a very similar pair, but um, I thought the style was really hip and cool and unique. You know, it wasn't like everything you'd see on the playground. And it was super soft and durable. And then the price point, I don't think anything was more than $20 or $22, um, which was music to my bank account. <laughs> Thank you so much. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, you grew up with, you have very strong roots. And so want to take a turn now to talk about of your upbringing and how money has been introduced to you from a young age. And maybe you could start by telling us what is your financial philosophy as it applies to perhaps being a mom and a business owner? Yeah, um, I, I would say it's being conservative. Um, you know, I always grew up with parents who, you know, weren't showy and, um, you know, we were very comfortable, but it wasn't about that sort of keeping up with the Joneses attitude. It was about this is who we are and, um, we have everything we need, but we don't need to have the extra fancy car to prove that, um, we're, you know, important or to, you know, represent our identity. And, um, I think that that's really important. It's, you know, about having confidence in who you are and not the stuff that you have. And, um, you know, I always grew up where my parents never purchased anything that they couldn't afford outright in cash. And, um, that meant that, you know, maybe we didn't have the largest home or the fanciest car, um, but that wasn't important. And, you know, Neil and I grew up very similarly and, and we live our lives very similarly now. Um, and, you know, we never spend outside of our means. And that's, that's really important because you never know what's going to happen. Um, and you always want to, um, you know, sort of plan for the worst and expect the best, if you will. Be confident in who you are, not what you have. Thank you for saying that. I feel like I didn't get enough of that growing up. There's a lot of materialism everywhere you go and people quit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think for my parents, they didn't grow up with much at all. Um, and, you know, they really worked for everything that they had and they really instilled that value in me that, um, you know, I needed to appreciate the things that I had and work really hard for what I wanted. Um, and it's, that's probably the reason that I am so scrappy is because <laughs> I, I learned, I learned how to do a lot with, with not a whole lot, um, because they never wanted to spoil us or for us to, um, you know, sort of expect more than, than we really needed. Right. Well, what's an example of, a memory that you had as a kid growing up that was very much an, an example of how money was taught to you, like the financial principles that you now have. What was like a really pivotal money memory that you experienced? Uh, that's a good question. Well, I just, I always remember that, 
you know, every time they would buy a car, they would only they would only purchase it. They would never lease a car. And I had a lot of friends whose parents would lease cars. And I would say, well, I don't understand why, you know, they got that fancy car. And why wouldn't you just, you know, lease the car and you don't have to put that much money down. And, you know, my parents just always believed that, you know, you only spent within your means. And if we couldn't afford that car in cash today, then, then we shouldn't have it. And, um, you know, I think that, I mean, I remember it's it's sort of a silly example, but, you know, I remember getting in fights with my mom because she would wash our clothes and every time she would manage to either shrink my clothes or tie dye them. Um, And it was so upsetting to me because I loved fashion and I really appreciated everything that I had. And I always felt like, well, once it got ruined, I wasn't going to get another one. It wasn't like, oh, we'll just go out and buy four more of those. And so I really took great care of everything that I had um, because, you know, it it meant so much to me to have. She she would tie-dye your clothes? (laughs) She was really terrible at doing the wash. (laughs) And I think actually it was strategic because what ended up happening is that my brother and I learned to do our laundry at a very early age. I mean, I think I probably started doing my laundry at age seven or eight because I was so frustrated with her destroying my clothes. Well, that's one way to teach your kids good domestic duties. I think that teaches good work ethic. I mean, maybe now I outsource all my cleaning, but I i don't know. There's something about you know the emphasis of like making sure your bed's made and making sure that you can do your own laundry. I think these are good survival skills, really, at the end of the day. I, I think so. I mean, I would, I would say I'm exceptionally self-sufficient um, mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes to a fault, but... Yeah. Um, always <laughs> with the Windex in your hand. That's me. Like I'm yeah. always like dusting. I don't know. Maybe it's just my um, my way to like avoid doing real work. Although I have to say when we, when we moved into our apartment, I installed all LED lights because I was so sick of having to replace all the light bulbs myself. Um, so that was, I think that was me sort of acting out on not wanting to have to be so self-sufficient. There you go. Well, it ends up this on this show, most guests, I, I would say a lot of guests say that the one thing that they outsource that makes their life easier or better is domestic work, like any housework. Um, I think Rockets of Awesome is definitely making my life easier and better. And my son, Sheiker, on the playground. <laughs> um, so tell me, what is your, let's pivot now to financial failure. I know you're conservative. I know that, you know, you're very careful and calculated with risk. But what would you say is an example of when Rachel really bombed financially? And what did you learn? What happened? Take us there. Oh, good question. Um well, I think, you know, I think Cricket Circle was a really great learning and Cricket Circle was a um, product recommendation engine and editorial content site for new parents, helping them figure out what they needed to buy when they had a baby. Um, and we built Cricket Circle at a time when it was completely normal to have a business idea and launch a business with no monetization strategy whatsoever. Um, and that was certainly a time um, in in sort of the startup world and technology. And, um, you know, what we did was we built this brand that had tremendous engagement that proved that we knew how to build a brand that spoke to this generation of parents that was so deeply authentic that our customers were tremendously engaged and really, you know, would purchase and um, 
and engage with any any types of products that we recommended. Um, what was short-sighted about that is that we didn't have a monetization strategy out of the gate. And um, we raised venture funding and, um, you know, we continue to grow at a really nice pace. But as we navigated this world in this sort of um, logic uh, of those of the time was, you know, if you build it, they will come and then you can sell to them. Um, I, we didn't necessarily prove that. And so what we did was we built that community. And fortunately, um, we were able to pivot to a business that actually makes money and makes real money with Rockets of Awesome. But had we not, we could have been in a really tricky situation. Um, and I think that it was a great learning for me because my first business was, you know, for all intents and purposes, a very sort of um, baby steps type growth and, and small business in the beginning and, and grew to a really meaningful business. But we were always cash flow positive. Um, I was very naive in that time that I didn't even understand, you know, why or how people would raise venture money. money. Um, and I went from that type of business to sort of the, the glitz and the glow of venture funded businesses at that time again, where it was okay to launch a business with no monetization strategy. And, um, you know, certainly learned a lot in that process. The last I read was that you had raised $7 million for Rockets of Awesome. How, how do you measure how much money you do take on from venture capitalists? I know that is also something that I've talked to other startup founders about. And, and some just have a rule of thumb where I'm not taking any money from VC. Others take everything they can get and then pay a price for it. How do you, how do you measure that to make sure that you're not in over your head? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's for me, it's the middle ground. So I think it's important to be aware of what the market, what's happening in the market. And there's certainly periods where it's easier to raise funding and other periods where it's harder to raise funding. And you never know what's going to happen in the market. And so if you do believe in your idea and, um, you have a very clear path to growth and eventually, you know, being cash flow positive, then I think that you can take more risks in those periods. Periods, but um, you know, as a founder, you always also think about dilution. And so, you know, how much of my equity am I willing to give up at this period in time um, for cash? And there's always that push and pull. You know, do I want more? Um, and I think sometimes more isn't always better. You know, more doesn't mean that you're always going to make you know, even better decisions or that you're going to um, grow exponentially more because you had added cash in the bank. Um, so for me, it's always, you know, a balancing act of how much do we really need to prove that we are on to something, you know, whatever those goals are in the business in that period of time. For the next 12 to 18 months, we have to prove X and we need this much cash to be able to prove that. And once we prove that, we will feel confident to take on more investment or to take on more risk. Another balancing act that you're very good at is striking a balance between parenthood and entrepreneurship. I know that, you know, that's something of a lot of interest to our listeners. How do you kind of create the systems in place so that you can still be married and be sane and have kids and have them be happy? And then, by the way, start this really great, successful business. Oh, and also your husband is also an entrepreneur with a very busy schedule. So um, tell us a little bit about the behind the scenes of the Blumenthal ecosystem. <laughs> the circus. <laughs> the circus, yeah. Um, what uh, are some of the, yeah, what, how do you guys make it all work, quote unquote work? 
How do you work it? I I mean, I would I would never be I would never be so proud to say that we have figured it out. Um, I think that you know when when you are trying to balance so much, you never feel like you're doing anything perfectly, um, and you put a lot of pressure on yourself. But generally, I would say you know first and foremost. I think it is tremendously beneficial, at least for me and and I think for Neil as well, um, that we're both living very similar lives. And because we live very, very similar lives at work, it enables us to support each other in ways that I think are really difficult to understand and appreciate if you're not also, you know, a founder in, in a startup. Of course, we're at different stages, but um, there are a lot of similarities, you know, in our day to day and over time. So first and foremost, I'm like deeply, deeply grateful for the fact that we do live those similar lives because there's such appreciation and support there. And we're never making each other feel guilty or, or, you know, I can't believe you're spending so much time at the office or whatever it may be. Um, but the second is, you know, I found that it's really around scheduling. So having very sort of, um, strict schedules around time for family and time for work. And so, you know, for us, it's that, that hour in the morning of complete chaos, but of complete dedicated family time where nobody's on the phone, nobody's on the phone or their computer or anything like that. Um, and then it is complete dedicated work time throughout the day. And, um, we both try to be home with the kids at least three nights a week during the week. Um, if not together, then, then we'll trade off. So, um, that time at home for probably that, you know, hour or two before bedtime is again, complete dedicated time where the phone is left in the other room and it's just about the kids. Um, we definitely sneak in some, some Snapchatting and some Instagram stories in there, um, because they're really fun to document, but, um, it really is dedicated time. And then, you know, for us, it's having also very consistent and reliable support. So we have a tremendous nanny that's been with us since our son was two weeks old. Um, he's five and a half now. So she's um, you know, real part of the family. And my in-laws live right down the street. So that is incredibly helpful as well. Yes. And you said you appreciated that now more than ever as a parent, because that's something that is just priceless to have you know, in-laws and they're retired maybe. So <laughs> they, I'm guessing, or yes. have more time than two entrepreneurs running a, a four-person household. That is really great. I love the idea of just making sure the phone is not there. And even if it's chaos, it's scheduled chaos and it's dedicated chaos. It's great. It is. Yeah. It's, you know, and you realize at a certain point that your kids notice everything and they're yeah. super aware. And the last thing, you know, they want to feel is that anything is more important than them. Right. And your children now, your son is, you have a daughter and a son, which is also why it's hard to buy clothes because you, your daughter's it's not getting that. a lot of the hand-me-downs. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, shopping for a girl is really fun. Um, so she gets a lot of Rockets of Awesome now that she just started fitting into it, which is perfect timing. I find the clothing out there for girls a little uninspiring sometimes. You know, it's compared to boys. Boys is just like, there's so many like active wear, like active colors and designs and girls, beautiful stuff. But I also feel like in, in some ways is, is almost like telling girls like, it's okay to be more passive, you know, and not go out there and like kill it. Um, so I'm looking for some options that are a little bit more, uh, like strike a balance between like, you know, being feminine, but also like 
being strong. You know, close that, exemplify that. So I should just go to Rockets of Awesome. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think the best part about our clothes and our service is that it is completely personalized for the customer. And so the way it works, as you've experienced, is that you sign into the site, you create a profile for your kids, you tell us what they love and what they hate. Your daughter might hate pink, but she loves neon pink, or she hates pink and she only likes blue. And, and guess what? Next week, she loves red. Um, and with that information, we send you a personalized assortment of 12 items to your home, completely risk-free. So um, you only pay for what you keep and you send the breast back and we pay for shipping both ways and there's no membership fees. And so what we love about that is it really engages the customer and um, we really, really push to give us as much information as physically possible. We want to know every single picky um, you know, preference that you have and that your kids have so that we can make sure every single box feels really special. You know, we have boys that want to wear tutus and we have girls that want to wear, you know, boys flannel shirts. And we do everything within our, you know, within our limitations to be able to serve every single customer. Um, and to your point, we have an awesome activewear line for girls and boys. Um, so if she is super sporty, we've got her covered. But she's not born yet. So I'm just, I'm guessing for her. <laughs> Um, but truly, I think one of the great qualities of Rockets of Awesome is that you really tap into the zeitgeist of parents today and the, the evolution of kids as they're really, you know, uh, becoming more comfortable and expressive in their identity and how clothes can be a real facilitator of that and augmenter of that. So well done. All right. We didn't get to this, but I want to because we spent some time on failure. And if we're going to talk about failure, we need to talk about success. So what is your so money moment, Rachel? Like a time where you just felt that the financial stars aligned for you and it was thanks to your great efforts. I would say less of a so money moment, um, but definitely like a I've made it moment, um, which was... Okay, I'm going to take you back a little bit. So... Back in 2003, when I started my first business, or I was considering starting my first business, which was a jewelry brand, um, I was trying to decide if I should leave my amazingly, um, you know, very cool job in fashion at Yves Saint Laurent to take a risk and set up shop in my living room to start my own jewelry company when I had no jewelry experience, no business experience whatsoever, other than um, I had been featured in Lucky Magazine and as a, as a jewelry designer. Um, and there was, there was real opportunity there. And um, I had my then boyfriend over at the time, Neil, who's now my husband, um, who came over and was giving me advice on, should I leave this, this glamorous job to take a risk? And we were listening to James Taylor in the background. And he just said, just do it. You're on to something. Just leave your job and you'll figure it out. And in that moment, I decided to leave my job and go figure it out. And about seven years later, I was working from home one day. And um, I had Oprah going on in the background. And she had James Taylor on the show. And he was singing the song that we were listening to in that moment where Neil told me to take the risk of my job. And Oprah walked out on stage wearing my necklace. And Stop. that was the moment where I was like, this is, these are those moments people talk about. And it was just one of those moments where like all the stars were aligned. Did you know and she was wearing your necklace? Did you no, know that was going to happen? 
I had no idea. And um, Gail came out, Gail was wearing one of my bracelets. And um, follow up to that was that I was named one of Oprah's favorite things that year. What? So that oh was like gosh. a really, really cool moment in uh, my early, early first entrepreneurial venture. Did you know James Taylor was going to be on the show? No. What? what? I didn't know anything. Are you was, spiritual? Did, did, that make you, did that make you a believer? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> it, it starts. It starts to make you wonder, right? It right. starts to make you believe that that the stars do align sometimes. Oh my gosh! So I guess the lesson is keep your ears tuned in to the messages <laughs> that are all around you, and uh, and keep at it. Oh my goodness, that's that's one of the best stories I've heard. Kind of gives you goosebumps. That's crazy. Have you ever met Oprah? I have met Oprah. And I've met Gail and I told them that story and they humored me and pretended like they remembered what I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> um, but it was, it, yeah, it was a very emotional moment. You can imagine that I just basically started hysterically crying yeah, and I yeah. called Neil and I was like, you'll never believe this. Um, it was pretty oh cool. Gosh, that's cosmic. That's incredible. That is so money. It's so having made it and it's so um, almost like... It's magical, basically. That's just magic. That's pure magic in in action. All right. What's your number one money habit? What's something that you do daily that helps you kind of keep your personal finances on track? I always check my credit card statements. I'm really, really particular about checking my credit card statements. Is that because you experience fraud or you just want to know? I'm just so a little forget. neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you one of those people too that like pays off your balance regularly, like not once a month, but some people, I do this sometimes when I have a big balance that I want to get rid of because it's scary. I, I pay it off as soon as I see it. You know, I don't wait yes. for the bill to come. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. I, I probably check my online. I probably check it specifically for that. Um, uh, probably once a week. Um, because I hate, I hate having a balance that I'm, yeah, that's yeah. just sitting there. Let's do some so money fill in the blanks and then I'll let you go and run your empire. Let's start with this fill in the blank sentence. If I won the lottery tomorrow, which it sounds like you've already won the lottery professionally and relationshiply and familyly, but if you won the, you know, mega lottery, a hundred million bucks, the first thing I would do is I think I would send my parents and my in-laws on vacations. They need vacation? Well, I just feel like they need to be treated Pampered, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Appreciated. Yeah. yeah. Where did you grow up, by the way? I don't think I asked that. I grew up on Cape Cod. Oh, wow. I'm from Massachusetts as well. Oh. I was, but, but a different part of Massachusetts. Not so fun. Um, Worcester. <laughs> well, I was born in Brookline and um, I went to college in Medford, so... I'm a real Massachusetts so, girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, which kind of, you know, it, it makes sense. I think a lot of people there, my sense is that there's a lot of strong family values there. Very, um, It's just very value-driven um, compared to maybe living closer to the city or in New York. All right. One thing that makes my life easier or better is? My husband, my nanny. Your husband, your nanny. Good, good, good combo. <laughs> yeah. It takes a village. One thing that I splurge on that I just can't do without is I love good shoes. Yeah. Really so who's your favorite? Shoes. Would you have a, like a go-to? Um, classic Manolo Blahniks. I love Chanel. 
And let's see what else. Um, yeah, those are no those wonder are you're checking your favorite. credit card balance all the time. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is? I wish, you know, I, I, in retrospect of my education, I wish that I had a more sort of practical education. I had a very theoretical education at a liberal arts school. Um, and so I wish that I had learned how to read a P&L earlier in life. Well, for you, yes. For others, probably not. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need to read a P&L when I'm eight. But yes, if you are an aspiring entrepreneur and parents out there, if your kids are starting those lemonade stands, maybe it's a good time to also show them you know, how money moves around. When, when I donate, here's a good one. When I donate, I like to give to blank because... I love to give to children's causes. Um, and I've been a very active... Um, member of Baby Buggy, which is just the Seinfeld's organization yes. in New York, um, for about six years now. So um, it's really important to me. It's a wonderful organization. And last but not least, I'm Rachel Blumenthal. I'm so money because... I'm just deadly passionate about what I love and the problems I want to solve. And I will continue to fight the fight to you know deliver solutions to parents. And we thank you for it. Thanks for making my life easier and better, Rachel. Really appreciate it. And looking forward to my next box when it comes in the mail um, and uh, the fact that it won't be breaking my bank. I really appreciate you. <laughs> Congratulations. This is really... Thank you so much. You have figured it out. Rachel, thanks a lot and have a great new year. You too. Thank you. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Rockets of Awesome, it's rocketsofawesome.com, Rockets of Awesome on Twitter without the E at the end. And if you miss any of this and want to download the podcast, catch the transcript, leave a comment, head over to somoneypodcast.com. And remember, click on Ask Farnoosh and either leave a voicemail for me or drop me a note about your biggest money question and I'll try to answer it on the upcoming Friday episodes. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. Money.